Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. It is our 5 o'clock hour here. Oh, what a weekend the NFL served up to talk about all of it and how it ends tonight with the winner of Dallas and Tampa Bay arriving at Levi Stadium next Sunday. We go out to the Bud Light guest line to find Peter King, who will also be arriving next Sunday at Levi Stadium. Peter, we were just uh, told that you're going to be out here for the game next week, so I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, um, you know, what I, over the years, what I've found out is that very often the last game of the weekend is the one that is really heavily on people's minds when they wake up Monday morning. And what I found this week, because I wrote a little something on all three of the game, all four of the, the, uh, uh, the last four of the games, I should say, of the weekend. And what I find is that you wake up Monday morning and you're asking a lot of questions and talking a lot about that last game. And, like, I got Joe Burrow last night to talk about what it was, uh, you know, what it was going to be like to go to Buffalo and to have that Cincinnati-Buffalo game, um, which... I mean, a lot of people in Cincinnati are very upset that the game is in Buffalo versus, you know, having a coin flip for it or whatever the, the precedent the league set. But uh, so anyway, it'll be this will be a fun weekend. And I think the games this weekend, whoever goes to San Francisco, whether it's Tom Brady going to San Francisco uh, you know, amazing. He went so long in his career without playing 49ers out there, and now he could play him twice in six weeks in California. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight. But I think it, I, I think whoever the 49ers welcome in next week, that's going to be a really fun game late Sunday. Well, and let's face it, if the NFL has its druthers, they'd love to see 49ers and Cowboys because nobody brings more eyeballs to the party than the Dallas Cowboys, plus the history just between the two teams in the postseason. And look, when it comes to the 49ers, Peter, you know, this is a, rightfully so, it was cast as a story about defense with an offense that was kind of coming along for the ride. And that's the way the entire year played itself out. All of a sudden now here with Brock Purdy, there is a level of offense that is happening with a level of routine as far as it popping up to where it's... Like, if you liked the 49ers two, three weeks ago, you got to like them even more this week because they just rolled up 500 yards to go along with an off uh, defense that once it started forcing turnovers, that entire game changed on a dime. It was, a, it was such an interesting game, I thought, because at halftime, I was convinced that, uh, that this was going to be a great four-quarter game. And then I think what really changed everything, and I was glad to see, um, you know, I was glad to see a lot of credit for a guy who doesn't get much of any credit, I'm sure, because of all the star power inside the 49ers. Charles, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Omenahue. You nailed it. Um, Yeah, but 
you know, he was one of my players of the week this week because that was the key play in this football game. You know, when he forced that uh, turnover, uh, you know, Geno Smith, I think that changed everything about this game. So to me, I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the depth also of the 49ers right now because that is one of those things that has really shown up and shown up in a big way as this year has gone on. Um, Kyle Shanahan has always, since you talked about depth, Kyle Shanahan has always shown when he constructs a roster a huge bias toward running backs and toward defensive linemen. Uh, when you see what they've done this year, and maybe last year to a certain extent, is this a trend that you think is going to become league-wide, or is he just better at doing the thing that all other general managers like to do? Well, I think the 49ers have had some rotten luck when it comes to running backs. I mean, you go back to Jarek McKinnon. He was a big free agent acquisition, whatever year it was, 18 or 19. And he, they just could not keep him on the field. And it's sad, honestly, when you look at uh, what could have been, because now you look at McKinnon in Andy Reid's offense, and he's the golden child. <laughs> you know. And imagine, had he stayed healthy, what could have happened uh, you know, in San Francisco with him. Um, but I, I just... I'm sort of convinced that Kyle Shanahan uh, has understood the need for depth at positions that get hurt a lot. Running backs, it's hard to keep them on the field all the time, and it's certainly hard uh, to keep defensive linemen with big bodies flying all around. Uh, You know, it's hard to keep them healthy. So I just think it's a calculated risk. Uh, that Shanahan and Lynch has, have taken, and I think it's paying off this year. Well, look at the calculated risk they took to bring in Christian McCaffrey and what he has yeah. done. I mean, I know it's late in the season uh, to install or take someone who's only played half a season with someone and say they truly deserve MVP consideration. But Christian McCaffrey, he truly deserves MVP consideration. I, I mean, how how, do, how would you like to assign, you know, what would you like to assign to the word value? Because I don't know if anyone's value has changed a team's prospects as much as Christian McCaffrey has. And after he, I, I mean, I don't know if Kyle was playing the day or the game or Pete backwards by giving him something to look at before he let him touch it. But McCaffrey does not touch the ball on the 49ers opening drive and they settle for a field goal. His first touch is just emblematic of what he has done to this team. His first touch is 68 68 yards around the left side, blocking everywhere, was hat on a hat. And after two possessions and McCaffrey getting involved in in the second possession, it's 10-0 49ers just like that. I mean, he truly is one of, if he is healthy, the great players in this league. And, you know, my only question when the 49ers acquired him and paid a pretty big price for him, my only question was, I think when he's healthy, he will be a great addition to this team, and he will be a great person uh, to really help this team uh, have a piece that it had not had. And, And so... I think what is really interesting about McCaffrey is his physicality and his ability to outrun people to the outside, but also get an extra two or three yards in the middle. You know, the the one play that did not get nearly, it didn't get talked about enough because it was only a nine-yard gain, but it's so perfectly encapsulates how important he is to this team. Remember the run that he had where, uh, you know, he sort of breaks around left end and uh, there's nothing there and he waits and waits and waits. And a lot of, a lot of backs would have just said, okay, look, I'm going to burrow 
you know, into into a linebacker here and try to get a yard and a half or two yards. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I've got good enough instincts and I'm tough enough and I'm strong enough that I am going to cut back all the way across the field. I'm going to get a block from George Kittle and I'm going to try to make something big of this. Now, he didn't make anything big of it, but nine yards is better than a zero-yard gain. And that is who he is. I talked to Kittle after the game, and we talked about that exact run. And he said, one of the things he said that was interesting, I think, is that he said early on, that was not the kind of play that McCaffrey was making. But now he really knows our offense. He's got incredible confidence in what he can do in this offense. And that was a perfect example. Like, after I heard Kittle talk, I said to myself, okay, that first game or two when he played in November, maybe, maybe he just burrows his head and tries to get a yard. But now he's very familiar with the scheme. He's very familiar with who's going to be blocking who. And he goes back and he ends up getting nine yards out of it. And uh, I, I don't know. I thought that was a real significant play just for McCaffrey's meaning to this team. Um, speaking of the 49er offense in general, which of these two teams, Dallas or Tampa, is going to give the 49er offense more trouble under normal circumstances? Uh, I think Dallas, because I think Dallas... I mean, first of all, Dallas has the singular player who can wreck a game on defense in Micah Parsons. I don't think Tampa Bay has a Micah Parsons. They don't have a Micah Parsons. Um, But the one thing that Tampa Bay does have is Tampa Bay has an excellent secondary that's getting healthy at the right time. If If they win this game and come out of this game healthy, in my opinion, I I think Tampa would really be a challenge uh, for Brock Purdy and for Kyle Shanahan to solve. Peter King joining us here on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. And I'll tell you, the Brock Purdy experience has been a lot easier to enjoy than anyone could have possibly imagined. Kyle Shanahan, hell, let's face it, Brock Purdy's parents couldn't have imagined he would right. fit so well a- as we've seen it. I mean, he just, Peter, he adds on Mississippi's to plays with his scrambling ability that is, you know, either going to create the catch part three. I mean, if Brandon Ayuk held on to that ball in the back of the end zone, this kid's got his signature career highlight that already. Was, can, can, I, can I just make one comment about that play? Sure. To me, okay, that play goes down as an incompletion. That really symbolizes everything about Brock Purdy that you love, okay? And and I'll and I'll tell you because there's three things involved in that play that when I saw it I and immediately uh I clicked back, okay, and I got my little iPhone out with the stopwatch on it and I timed it and it was I, I forget, like a le- I wrote about it's like twelve it. Twelve seconds. I, I, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I had it like at 11.6 or 11 point something. But, but anyway, but here's what is significant about that. Imagine the confidence that Brock Purdy has to have in himself, okay, to be able to make that play. And, and I think, I think one of the things that I loved about it is that it looked like he looked at all four receivers multiple times on that play. And then he finally threw a bullet, a perfect throw, um, in the corner of the end zone to Brandon Ayuk. It was a tough catch, but, you know, I thought I should have caught it. But, but be that as it may, everything about that play just said great things about who Brock Purdy is and how he plays. If we and, were, uh, and, and, and the one other thing I, I just wanted to add, uh, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but the one other thing I wanted to add is that after the game, I talked to, uh, I, I talked to George Kittle, 
And we talked about that play. We talked about a bunch of plays. But one of the things that, that I pointed out to him and that he commented on eloquently was about how Brock Purdy is good in large part. And we have talked about this because of the 48 starts he had in a Power 5 conference, you know, at Iowa State. And, and, and as Kittle told me, he goes, you know what, a lot about being great in the NFL, particularly at quarterback, is failure and handling failure. And this guy in the first half of that game the other day against Seattle had some tough moments. And, you know, but, but you know, as Kittle said, you know, he's got to be thinking, I've been through this before. I've been through stuff exactly like this before. And so that's why he was sure that Brock Purdy was going to come out in the second half and be, uh, and be, you know, who Brock Purdy has shown himself to be, you know, in his first six games. So I thought that was a good point by Kittle that a lot, especially about quarterbacking, is about learning to handle failure and about after having that failure, knowing that you can come back and have success. Talking about failure, and I want to go macro here, which coach should feel the most like a failure today? John Harbaugh, uh, Kevin O'Connell, or Mike McDaniel? How come you didn't give me Brandon Staley as a as an option? <laughs> because I think he's cursed. I think he joined a yeah. franchise that is like the Chicago Chicago Cubs that can yeah. never win yeah. no matter what. Except they but did. If, but if you want to throw in throw in Staley, go ahead, throw him in too. I I think you know. First of all, uh, let me just I'll say one sentence about my three runners up. And then I'll give you the guy who should feel bad. Um, I, you know, look, John Harbaugh was trying to win a game with both hands tied behind his back. And it just it's going to be very, very hard, even in a rivalry game like that, to win a game with Tyler Huntley. Okay? So that would be one. Kevin O'Connell, look, they could not block the Giants' front. It's hard for Kevin O'Connell to take the blame for that. They had a tough time, especially with Dexter Lawrence. And and look, as far as Staley goes, I just don't think he had enough defensive pieces to stop uh, an offense that started to play well. The guy I've got a real problem with coming out of yesterday is Mike McDaniel. A big, big problem. Can you please tell me why... Uh, a guy who looked like he was uh, in pretty good shape during the course of the year when he did play, uh, you know, Skylar Thompson. How come they could not get plays off? How come they were consistently uh, late, you know, on the play clock? That last drive was one of the most maddening drives I've ever seen in my life for a very simple reason. You know, that quarterback was not prepared to play well in that game. And that goes, and look, you say, how in the world did they keep that game close, you know, against Buffalo? And I think the biggest reason is they were able to get three turnovers, and it was not a particularly sharp day for for the Buffalo Bills. But... I would blame uh, McDaniel more than anybody else for his team's preparedness coming into that game. It certainly took a long time to get that fourth down play in. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Um, you know, when you look around at... Look, I just think that Joe Burrow and company were in position to lose a game to Baltimore because they weren't any, you know ball of fire offensively. Right. You talked about the problems that Buffalo's having offensively. It's hard to say that Kansas City's having offensive problems, but they're certainly not averaging 37 points per game over their last six games. But Brock Purdy and the Niners are. They've been billed, yeah. appropriately so, as the best off, uh, the best defense in the league all year long. Uh, what happens if the 49ers have the best offense in this league now, too? 
they're they're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's see what I'm really really curious to see what Philadelphia does Saturday night. And I say that. Don't you think they could lose that game? I do. I like. I, I think the Giants are rolling in hot, and Philly's a little. Yeah. Again, the maybe Giants early. really remind me of you know the Giants. And again, I don't mean that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but the Giants remind me of those two teams that got hot that were not the best teams in football uh, in 20, 2007 and twenty eleven when they went on to beat the Patriots both times in the Super Bowl. That is what this reminds me of. They entered the playoffs as good teams, you know, twice as they had a good team, but they no one thought they had a great team. And it's the same thing now. Their first playoff game, you saw Daniel Jones looking like a top-flight NFL quarterback. No one until the last month or so has ever thought that Daniel Jones was going to be a top-flight NFL quarterback. And now he looks like it. And it's a tribute to the guy I voted Coach of the Year over Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable. Uh, You know, in my opinion, he took an awful, awful team and, uh, you know, has done a lot with it. So I think the Giants have got a shot on Saturday night, no question. Okay, you brought up coaches, so I'll just ask out and out. Are you surprised that Jim Harbaugh passed on the NFL this time? A little bit, uh, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know him well, and so I don't know what all went into that. You know what I mean? I don't know what went into that uh, to his decision. Whether it was all money. Whether his agent told him, "Look, you're not getting this job," I I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I thought he was going to end up with one of these NFL jobs, I, so I am surprised a little bit. Peter King on Damon and Ratto, and I saw that D'Amico Ryan's has four interviews set up this week. I'm I'm guessing these are virtual or Zoom meetings. Yeah. They better be. But Texans, Colts, Broncos, Cardinals. Um, does it feel abstract that he would sign up for all four or, you know, it feels like it's, it's pretty common to say, Hey, while we're coaching postseason games, we're going to postpone interviews or does not in that, in in that position to operate from yet. The unfortunate thing is the NFL should, should, should have fixed this problem and chose not to because all of the teams uh, who have lost basically leaned on the NFL and said, uh, you know, we want to be able to to take care of our business before the middle of February. We want to get our coach hired so that we can start on preparation for next year. And look, I understand why they do that, but it is absolutely, totally, unequivocally unfair to the, uh, to the teams that employ them. And look, here's the only reason why, in my opinion, like, I just don't like this. It's, it's because now, you know, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, D'Amico Ryans is going to have his attention in two different places, probably five different places this week, okay? I just don't like it. It's not fair to the 49ers. And D'Amico Ryans is a great guy. He's an excellent coach. He deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. But all of this stuff should be handled uh, on February 15th. You know, not on January, whatever today is, 16th. It's it's wrong. And the NFL, uh, I, I you know, look, I will hate to see if, if, uh, if that defense doesn't play well. Uh, in the playoff game this weekend because, in my opinion, it would be a natural thing to ask, uh, well, you know, did did all this time D'Amico Ryan's use to prepare for these interviews have anything? Everybody's going to say no. It had nothing to do with it. It's human nature. It just is. It's, it's wrong. It's not D'Amico Ryan's fault, unfortunately. He's just playing the game the way the NFL stupidly has set it up. Um, stupidity aside, 
Is there a job out there that's a perfect fit for him, or is this more sort of an exercise in learning more about what owners and general managers want in interviews and that he should be thinking more about next year than this? I mean, I, it's hard to it's hard to tell. I mean, so the other day, Raheem Morris had a four-hour Zoom meeting with the Indianapolis Colts, and I heard that uh, Raheem Morris blew him away and that they really like him. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to get the job. I don't know who's going to get any of these jobs. I don't cover this the way I used it. But what what usually happens is that it becomes a match and the and the two sides really end up getting along well. Uh, and they and they say, "Boy, I could really work with this guy." And so that's what it comes down to. Will it happen with D'Amico Ryan's? I don't know. Nobody knows. But uh, he certainly is worth uh, somebody giving him a job. He's ready. He and and look, I I think I think that. He, the one thing I would really want to know if I were him and if I were the team, I would really want to know um, who's going to do the offensive staff, who's going to be my my offensive staff, who's going to be the quarterback guru, and who's going to be my quarterback. I wouldn't worry about the defense. He'll figure that out. Same way Robert Sala figured out the defense with the Jets. If Robert Sala doesn't make it with the Jets, it'll be because of the offense. So, therefore, that's what I'd be most concerned with right now if I were D'Amico Ryans. Final question for you, Peter. Since we're talking about time, hours committed to prepare, so on and so forth, I saw it brought up by Dove Kleiman this weekend. He tweeted, you know, it didn't seem entirely fair that the winners of Cowboys Bucks will go against the 49ers who played early on Saturday and gained basically two extra days of rest with more time to prepare. It's a competitive disadvantage. This is the playoffs, not the regular season. Do you think there is an inherent competitive disadvantage to whoever comes in to the 49ers on Sunday? Look, the 49ers had a disadvantage because they had a short week uh, to prepare for the Seahawks. And so now the 49ers get the extra day, right? And look, the Bucks and the Cowboys had an extra day to prepare for this game. Right. And the fact that it's a night game, it's almost an extra day and a third of rest and of getting off your feet and getting ready for a game. So I think that's a ridiculous point to make. Once the NFL said, we're going to play a Monday night football game in the playoffs, once they said that, then you have to understand that there's a chance that on one end, you're going to get a benefit, and on the other end, you're going to get jobbed a little bit. So I have no sympathy whatsoever. The 49ers had a short week the first time and now have a longer week, and they can't control who wins or loses the games. If the Vikings won yesterday, they'd be playing a team with absolutely normal rest for a game. That's that's the way life goes. I, I, I don't I, I'm not I'm not into that. There you go. Uh, whatever, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, according to Peter yep. King. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, Peter. Thank you very much for joining us. And we're either going to have 49ers Cowboys or 49ers versus Tom Brady. Either way, it's good for business around here. Thank you so very much. Sounds great, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you very, very much to Peter King. Ray, why don't you get a press credential? Come on down to Levi Stadium with me on Sunday. We'll sit on either side of Peter and just bombard him with questions during the entire game. We'll just annoy the hell out of Peter King. In like it'll be like stereo. I don't want to be an accessory to his ultimate death when he pulls his head off at halftime. <laughs> so you go ahead and you go ahead and hammer him. Look at you, you, know, you mercy. But the yeah, you raised kind of a weird, weirdly interesting point. Not about whether Dallas or Tampa has one less day to prepare, but that as long as this format, this playoff format, is going to be used, 
there's an excellent likelihood that a team like Dallas, who is a ratings getter every year, is going to get stuck on the Monday night game. And that due to their popularity, they're going to pay a price if they get to the second round, like almost on a yearly basis. And because the NFL is not going to bother with any of that, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm going to raise at least a bit of a stink. Not about we didn't have enough time to play the 49ers, but we're going to have not enough time for every divisional playoff game we ever get in because we're always going to be the Monday night game. And I just wonder how the league will put up with Jerry Jones, who essentially runs the league, pissing and moaning about what he will view as a competitive disadvantage, whether it is one or not. I don't even know if if it would bother Jerry as long as he knew that his team was getting the marquee treatment. You know, he's that much of a put the Dallas Cowboys first, where if it meant they arrived to the table of strategy second, as long as they were sitting at the head of the table for the marquee time slot or spot or viewing slot, I think he'd almost be cool with it. But you bring up a very interesting point, and to me, what the the NFL needs to do two things just in terms of playoff fairness and scheduling. You don't get to choose which game, which team would do better in what television time slot. You assign the seeds to their to whatever to whatever games you're going to be playing are decided by the seeds. So the you know at the Monday night game is between the this seed and the that seed. Not oh it's a more marquee night so let's put the Cowboys in it cuz they're the bigger name. You know, if you are the two seed, you don't play first thing on a Saturday morning because the lower seed that could be coming to you shouldn't be coming all the way from Monday night. You know, you can figure it out that way. And then in terms of the D'Amico Ryan's conundrum and four interviews this week, and I mean, imagine if he has four four-hour-long Zoom meetings. That's an entire workday that he's not working on getting the 49ers ready to beat their next opponent. So it's unfair to the 49ers for sure. The, the NFL should just have a full-on moratorium on hiring firings and um and any and all like you you don't even get to create the vacancy until January 12th like the first monday after the completion of the regular season shouldn't be known as black monday that should be the monday after the super bowl well theoretically you're right but Owners don't trust each other, so they're always going to try to, I want to get it, get my guy out of here and get my new guy in here as quickly as possible so you don't have a chance to outbid me for him. Well, the I don't think there's thing, an... Uh, the oh, second sorry, thing but, I would say is that D'Amico Ryans is probably not going to get a job this time around for one simple reason. If he's doing four interviews this week, none of them can be very comprehensive because he doesn't have the time for that. You know, it, they're not all going to be four-hour Zoom meetings. He also doesn't have he the doesn't right have time, time to, prepare. to prepare for a future employer, let alone four. So what I think is going to happen is that he's going to be the guy in the hopper for the next round. You know, and there will be people who interview him after the 49ers season is over. Maybe not for a job in this cycle. But for a job next cycle, and that's the thing I would like to see, so that so somebody like D'Amico Ryan's can say, you know what, I'm hot right now, but I've got this job. If I do this job well, nobody's going to sour on me next year. So why don't I wait till this season's over, do the vacation with the family, come back, and then have long, extensive interviews with whoever wants to interview me. And put in that time then. I don't think there's a single hiring that happens in the NFL all above the table. There's always back channel communications in the, you know, least and, and you know, the, the, with with absolutely nothing nefarious going on. That's just how business gets done. You know, grease is, grease is applied to the skids somewhere else. So what everyone sees looks nice and smooth, but there's always 
operations happening somewhere else. Everything's weaseling. Exactly. I believe that anyways. So there's no way to prevent the weaseling that's going on right now from not happening. But you put the the, the moratorium on any and all hiring freezes for the following reasons. It's the most fair to the teams that are still alive. And the the, the NFL should be worried about finishing seasons the right way more than it is about getting other team seasons started the right way before you've even reached your off season. Also, if all NFL coaching hires and fires happened in mid-January to February, uh, congratulations, football. You now officially, absolutely 100% own 12 months of the calendar. Like, it... It not only helps the product on the field, but it helps you guys in the headlines off the field 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Nobody's going with a spring training report ahead of, you know, the Denver Broncos hired their head coach today. I don't think they worry about that anymore. I think they figure we've already got that taken care of. I think they say when we have news, we'll announce it. Even if it's at two in the morning, we'll get what we need. So I don't even think that's a concern anymore. What I think is, and I'll just use David Tepper as an example. He's got Steve Wilkes, but he wants somebody better. So he's going to fire Steve Wilkes the minute he gets a chance to do it because he wants to be first in line for Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh or name the big name coach because there is no honor among billionaires or thieves. It just, I want my coach now, and you're not going to tell me that I can't have it because I am your boss, not the other way around. And there isn't much that the league office can do about that. When we come on back, we have one segment left. Robin in San Francisco absolutely wants her own show here on 95.7 The Game. Robin, if you stay through the commercial break, we're going to give you your own segment, basically. We're going to come on back and we're going to talk to you to end today's show. Before we sort of recap what happened to the Warriors today as well, and we'll let you know what's going on in this wild card game. Don't you go anywhere this afternoon. Damon and Ratto, one segment left today. We're going to spend an awful lot of it with one of our favorite callers, Robin, coming up next here. So don't you move a muscle. We are brought to you by, oh, what, the merch store? Hell yeah. It's open right now. The relevant shirt. More relevant now than it was on Friday, for goodness sake. Check it all out at 957thegameshop.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. So you know any good sports talk radio show is going to start with two wildly prepared and interesting hosts check check handsome hosts where 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 is this show check check talented hosts check check look at us checking off all the boxes right let us look at us lying to the audience then you need a good guest peter king we certainly had one Michael Irvin is either going to join us tomorrow sometime or on Wednesday because he might be flying back. Uh, But listening to Michael Irvin on a week where it's either going to be 49ers and Cowboys or 49ers and not Cowboys is going to give us a very interesting Michael Irvin. So we're looking forward to talking to him. So you need great hosts, check. Great guests, check on the way. And you need great callers. This brings us to Robin in San Francisco. How are you, Robin? First time talking to you, uh, I believe, here in the new year. So it's good to start with you. What's going on? Nothing too much. Hey, Ray, this is what I want to say to you. Uh, Damon is correct, and you should accept the compliments sometimes. You know, when I was younger, I was always told how pretty I was. I used to hate that. And a very old wise man who is now deceased, my father, told me to learn to accept a compliment and say thank you because looks are everything when you don't have them. So is sex, so is money, so is education, okay? So I'm just having a little fun with you. How many seconds I got, um, Damon? Here's what I want to say to you guys. It's not my perspective, but um, the other night someone shared that Brock Purdy um, is similar to Jeremy Lin and that we're all caught up. uh, He compared it to uh, insanity. And that Brock Purdy is a nice little story, but he's nothing more than Jeremy Lin. And this whole notion that when he hears uh, our our local news, our, our local sports people talk about him being our fan base, him being the future for the for the Niners, it is a joke because he's nothing more than Jeremy Jeremy Lin, and that he is a product of the system in which I responded because I never called into the show, but I did. In which I responded that. Who the hell cares if he's a product of the system? Because the system is great. We're not looking at and not measuring what is going to be next year. We're measuring the results right now. But I wanted to, and he said to me that that uh, that Brock Purdy was nothing more than a Jim, a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. So while I think that he has uh, a valid point in that. Uh, many of our people in our fan base is caught up, uh, I think, in the Linsane uh, analogy. I, I don't think that... Well, um, I, hold on. Let, 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 me, let, just, let me just step in here because I hadn't heard anybody make that comparison until you just brought it up, Robin. Jeremy Lin was a hell of a story. But it was a story that blipped on a team that didn't matter. So there was really no substance to any of it other than sometimes a guy catches a heater for a month in the NBA, and it probably happens on a bad team that doesn't have any options to put in over him. So that's, I mean, Jeremy Lin was a great story, but it was extinguished quickly before it was ever even truly tested. Now, who knows how long the Brock Purdy story goes, but he has now passed and taken a bigger, taken and passed a, a bigger test than anything that Jeremy Lin 
took when he was having his regular season, hey, that was impressive, three-week run with the New York Knicks. I mean, there's, there is a much more significant thing and entity, I believe, in Brock Purdy than in Jeremy Lin. Because everyone looked at Jeremy Lin and said, well, this is eventually going to come to an end. How long can he keep it going? God bless him. I, no, no one really sees where this ends for Brock Purdy yet. Because football has a really odd way of taking someone who may not have the physical measurables, but they can do it enough to where there's something here. Jeremy Lin had a high basketball IQ, but he had none of the physical measurables that make you a serious consideration for NBA prominence. It's just that simple. In fairness, though, Brock Purdy could never have fixed the New York Knicks. There's no way Brock Purdy gets the Knicks to the playoffs. No. In fact, there's no way anybody ever gets the Knicks to the playoffs. That's the beauty of the Knicks. They They are impervious to talent. They could go this year. They could, but I have faith. They can still figure it out. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Robin, thank you very much for the call. We love you. You need to not... Don't look at it this way. Don't worry what anyone's saying on any other show. You worry about this show. This show is going to give you the, the talking points that you need to take to other shows while you call them. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy is R.J. Barrett. And you need to learn how to take a compliment, sweetie. Uh, that's not happening. Why not? It's in my DNA. Okay. All right. I mean, Robin was right. She's a lovely woman. I don't think there's any argument there, but I'll take care of me. Thanks, Mom. Be nice just to see you appreciate how much people actually appreciate. I mean, no one here, but, you know, some people in the audience do. Trust me. I'm with me every day. I know me better than anybody else. Who has a longer day than you having to spend all day with you? Oh, it just, the the levels of crippling despair would fell an ox. Uh, can we quickly talk a little bit about this road trip that the Warriors have found a little success on here? Because, look, they blow out the Spurs in front of a tiny crowd in San Antonio. Uh, that, was, that, that, that was a hell of a gathering for a regular season basketball game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see every team try to rent out the local football team stadium when you have that opportunity and try to do that once a year and have NFL teams trying to, or NBA teams all trying to one-up each other in the attendance category. I could see that, although there are places where they used to play all their games there. And this was sort of a one-off because the Alamo Dome is where the Spurs used to play. Right. Um, and it's their 50th anniversary. Yeah, so, so. It, was, it was a thing. That said, 68,000 people wanting to go see the home team deliberately lose... That's a special thing. And that's what sort of took the special out of that Warrior performance. They scored 144 points on the way to just mollywhopping a Spurs team that isn't good and probably isn't even trying that hard. Then they give up 132 points in a loss to the Bulls where they make Vucevic look like Shaq. He goes for 43 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals in a game that the Warrior... I mean, it's... It's one of the weirdest, like, you look through it, look at some of the numbers, and look at some of the box scores. The Warriors hit 21 threes, they had 35 assists, and they out-rebounded Chicago. And lose. because they lose convincingly. Because they had zero answer in the paint for Vucevic. Zero. No answer at all. And no interest in playing consistent team defense, which is the thing that continues to make them inconsistent confounding and bizarre. I mean, they weren't playing great defense today for the longest stretch. I mean, Tim Roy, I thought he was going to just yank his own head off. But eventually, you know, Jordan Poole and Stephen Curry start making shots, and they don't stop making shots, and that's why they win the game. Well, and another reason why they won, too, is, is Draymond had a fourth quarter where he brought that defense that wasn't there the first three. Yeah, but it's still, as a team concept... They play defense only grudgingly, which is why I'm beginning to think that this is actually who they are. They're the team that's going to hover around 500 the whole year and end up eighth. Now, I don't know what happens in the last 10 week, ten games of the season or the playoffs, 
But I think this is this is it's now almost fifty games. This is the team you've got. And there isn't going to be any salvation at the trade deadline. You're going to have a team that is you know, 45, 46, 48 games. Maybe. Not if they're good not if they're going to continue to defend only when they feel like it. Because frankly, Busevich side, the Bulls didn't have DeRozan. That's a, that's a game that they should control because they yep. can they can defend, but they don't defend enough, consistently enough, to be trustworthy. And the one thing more than anything else, the Warriors have always been is trustworthy. Today they did beat the uh, the the Washington Wizards with a thirty four to twenty five fourth quarter where Draymond officially got nasty. Curry had forty one points and was eleven of twelve from the free throw line. So good to see him get into the line. Clay he sat on the back to backs. Jordan Poole got a start, which means you got a good Jordan Poole, and he dropped thirty two. Hit a team best seven threes today. The Warriors get back to five hundred with a win. They're twenty two and twenty two with a five and seventeen road record. Anthony Lamb had a team best plus 36 today, but it took a team wide 40, 50, 90 shooting split to beat a really bad Wizards team. They had to give their all to beat a bad Wizards team. And that's not a good sign. And the Warriors, they they're going to be a playoff team. But they're not going to be a team of consequence this year. You can just feel it. It's written all over them unless they do something magical once the postseason begins. Oh, by the way, every time Andre Iguodala dunks, apparently, he needs the next two games off. So he should probably stop doing that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll be back on the air at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Grandy Lucas, thank you. Peter King, thank you. All of you, thank you. And I'm going to encourage you all to stay tuned right here because coming up next, we're going to join... This Cowboys-Buccaneers game live in progress. Right now, we got a 6-0 game. Dak Prescott uh, had a 22-yard touchdown to Dalton Schultz, but the point after touchdown was missed, and the second quarter is just underway. Cowboys with the ball at their own 20, and I'll let the broadcast pick it up at the top of the hour from there. In the meantime, thank you very much for tuning in, and please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that... He's gone, gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.